I want to introduce everybody to Dolores Santos. Dolores, uh, how far back do you and I go? I think we go to the 80s, right? Yes, for sure. At least, at least. So everybody, Dolores Santos is uh, one of the industry's foremost experts on fuel supply, uh, the movement of fuel. Uh, she has spent so much time in her career, which included stints with Flyers and Wickland and a bunch of other places. Um, she has sold to fleets, right? You're, these these are your these are your people, right? Yeah, for sure. They, they are okay. So, you know, what I wanted to sort of pick your brain about today, uh, Dolores, is you know we talk about supply chain and we talk about how all of this impacts people, um, but you have a particularly interesting angle on it since you're in the fuel world. Talk through it for me. What what do you see? H how does issues with the supply chain affect fuel supply and fuel price? Well, as we know, Where do we start? diesel in its various <laughs> as, as we know, diesel in its various forms are an integral part of everything we eat, wear, use in our home. Everything's transported by a cargo, a train, a truck. Um, I think in general, people seem to take for granted energy. They don't think about where everything comes from and how important diesel fuel is to the whole system. Um, you know, the DOE stats have been pretty staggering. We, we, we were up last week, 3 million barrels, but honestly, we are at 120 million barrels of distillate in the United States, and that's down 38%. It's, it's as low year. as it's been From in a long year. time. And we still have the yeah. big deficit year on year in supply, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at two years ago, just two years ago, we're down 38, almost 39%. And unfortunately, we're still exporting diesel. Now, the reason for that is in California, for example, renewable diesel and biodiesel makes up 40% of the diesel used in that state. So the diesel being produced at the refineries has to be exported. And because California is not connected to the other parts of the United States, it typically goes to Mexico and South America. And the East Coast is being hit the hardest as far as inventory deficits. And they used to get product in from Europe. But because of the war in Ukraine, we've seen the U.S. exporting diesel to Europe, which has put it's a real strain on the market. I mean, the, only thing, the only thing that's really sort of helping here has been the mild weather in the East Coast. I mean, here it's yeah. going to be 70. I'm in Washington, D.C. It's going to be 70 degrees today. And, you know, so it's it's helped out. But but so you know what it's like to sell to somebody who needs diesel fuel to move their trucks, right? So walk us through like a situation where there are kinks in the supply chain. And from your experience of having sold to these guys, what does it do? How does How does it play out? So in all reality, you know, I look as a supplier to have as many supply points as possible in event, you know, somebody ran out, a terminal ran out, I could go get other fuel. And I always encourage my customers to have a contract for at least some of their fuel so that they can have some sense of a guarantee of supply, but also to get set up with other people so they can get fuel when needed. I mean, let's face it, if you don't have fuel, you're out of business. You're not able to run your equipment. 
So it it is challenging. And as a supplier, I had to work very hard to make sure I had alternate sources of fuel in the event of uh, supply disruptions. And sometimes that means, you know, going 50, 60 miles to an alternate terminal to get fuel. So it, mm-hmm. it's a really complicated business. So if especially somebody, in the summer, you know, yeah. you got no. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. The summer gets worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's okay. So <laughs> now let's let's okay. So we get into a situation where supply is tight. What obviously what does that do to price? I mean, we all know the answer to that. But you you deal with the customer and how do they how do you handle that? Well, it's very challenging. I mean. Let's face it, after labor and insurance, I'm sure fuel is one of their top expenses in a fleet. And, you know, I always tried to hedge fuel so that I could have locked in costs so I could help my customers wherever I could. Um, Even if it just meant shipping product in the pipeline and just holding my pipeline price for a couple of days so they could lock in four or five loads. You know, smaller fleets are real nervous about hedging. Bigger fleets hedge. Uh, to help protect their costs. And, and, and it's so critical to hedge if you're buying a lot of fuel. But some of the smaller ones aren't as sophisticated or willing to take that risk. Um, that's mm-hmm. why I would try to lock in prices for my customers, you know, even if it was just for a week to try to help. But we've been in a pretty much prolonged price problem for diesel. So from, <clears throat> so what we, we, you and I, so just for our, our people that are viewing this, Dolores and I, not only do we go back to the 80s, but for many years, we taught a fuel buying class called Winning Fuel Buying Strategies. And we would we had a lot of fleets come through the class. And um, what we always taught people, there's two sides to a really good fuel buying program. So you have your physical side and then you have your hedging side. So from a physical standpoint, because I like what you were saying before, having alternate sales uh, distribution points. What can an average consumer, let's say that I've got 5, 10, 20 trucks, I'm, I'm somewhat of a smaller fleet, I don't hedge, what can they do on the physical side to try to mitigate any kind of issues? Well, working with a good supplier that has their best interest in mind can really help them. I mean, like I said, I would try to lock in prices for customers, offer hedging. You know, a smaller guy might not be able to take on the contracts you have to buy on the NYMEX, whereas with a good supplier, they can spread it around so that they can hedge prices for the smaller guy and and also other people. So having a good fuel supplier that can help you through these tough times, but when the prices go up, I mean, what are you going to do? You have to pass it along. There's nothing you can do. And what's on? It's about relationships too, right? Yeah. No, go ahead. It's all about relationships. Um, a lot of times, these fleets can't pass the price on, and you know, when we had the big run up in 2008, we we started seeing the fuel surcharge, which was helping the the fleet operator pass on those additional fuel costs to cover their expenses. So. The fuel surcharge has become an integral part of the fleet process and how they can recoup their costs. We didn't have that before 2008. Um, right, right. It, it, it's so, important that they cover their expense. So as a typical fleet, right, who has to buy bulk amounts of fuel, and in some cases they may have their own storage, right, or in other cases it just gets their wet hosed or 
you know, use mobile refueling or whatever the situation is. In terms of, and I like what you said before, that it's important to have contracts. Should I have multiple contracts with multiple suppliers? And how do I go about doing that? Like, what is my process? Well, for me, I mean, having storage in your facility is becoming more and more difficult with government regulations. And if you have trucks that are out all day running around, you got to have a good fuel card. You you need to have a, a good car, uh, fleet card account that can give you the option of a rack price or the retail price, whichever's better, because when the market inverts, retail prices tend to be cheaper than spot. So having a good Fleet card account is very important. Even if you have storage, you want to have all your options available. Um, going to a commercial fueling network, you know, fueling out what they call card locks, having an account where you can lock in prices that way, as well as the fleet card really is beneficial. But having pricing options mm-hmm. are important. And, and I know a lot of the big fleet uh, card offers, you know, different scenarios. If you go to a big truck stop chain, they're going to offer rack or retail, whichever's better. And so it gives you some flexibility in managing your cost. Where do I start? So like where we've always told people when we taught the class that, and the reality of this world with people that buy fuel, right, is that they, they rotate them. They rotate them a lot, right? So just when they learn something, they take that person out and maybe they replace the fuel buyer with somebody who was buying pencils or paper or whatever, and it's a completely different commodity. So if I if I want to start somewhere and I want to try to clean it up and I want to make it better and not have supply chain issues, what where do I start? Where would you suggest that we start? Well, first I would research how you're currently buying. If you're buying from a jobber or a supplier, you know, reach out to them and find out, you know, how they're how they're supplying you. I mean, having a third party price is critical. You want to be able to tie your price back to a verified price. So if you have an Opus subscription or some kind of spot subscription, excuse me, you can at least verify the price you're being charged. That that's the most important thing. And then find out who supplies your your area, find out the terminals, find out the suppliers, you know, make phone calls and see who's out there and call, call around and see if they'll talk to you. I mean, I learned as a supplier, in order for me to be successful, my customer has to be successful. So it's in my best interest to take care of them and do the best I can. So you want a supplier that really takes your best interests at heart. Right. And another thing we always tell people, we were always amazed at, and we need to wrap this up in a few minutes, but I just want to say this. We were always amazed at how people didn't leverage what we call rateability, which is the amount of fuel that they buy. We were amazed at people who were just huge buyers that had no idea that how important they are to their suppliers. So it's like the wheel of fuel, right? It goes around. Um, so yeah. It's important to negotiate, right? And know that number, know how much you buy a year. Right. I mean, rateability is everything, but never overestimate your volume trying to get a better price. But, you know, have an honest conversation and look for suppliers that are going to help you. I mean, it it has to be win-win for both sides in order to succeed. And we're probably going to see more supply tightness coming up, you know, locking in a contract to guarantee some volume 
um, maybe looking at some hedging products to help lock in some of your cost. Right. And anybody can reach out to us. We are happy to. Uh, you can reach out to me at, at my FreightWaves email address. I'm happy to help people. You know, another thing that we tell people, and I, we do have to wind up, and I would love to spend another two hours talking to you, but, um, you know, it's always amazing. People don't know where their fuel contract is, right? Yeah. They don't they don't know where it is, and it's it's so important to find that fuel contract because in a lot of cases, it hasn't been updated in a long time. It doesn't have the right language in it. But as you said, the most important thing is the price point that you're being charged and be able to go back and have that transparency to be able to go back and recreate that number and make sure that you're being charged correctly. Exactly. And knowing what your freight costs are, you know, fleets know this better than anyone. You got to know what what they're charging you to make that delivery. Right. And we've learned because we had so many horror stories of people you know, who were overcharged and they just, they just took the price and they didn't, they didn't go back. So there's so many things that we can, we can uh, talk about. I'd love to have you come back on my show, Refuel, and we'll talk a little bit more about this and maybe we'll spend some time talking about, uh, we'll do a part two. We'll do a one part on the physical market and the second part on how to hedge, because I know hedging would be valuable for these guys. Um, but I believe thank so. you. I believe thank you. If anybody wants to reach out to Dolores, let us know. We're happy to. Dolores loves to talk about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> happy to field any questions. Hopefully I yeah. can come up with a good answer. <laughs> yes. And yeah, thank you for joining us and lending us your expertise. You're always a font of knowledge and it's a pleasure, absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Scott. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.